0: The IRS is your silent partner. You know, so if you've got a million dollar IRA and you're like, hey, I got a million dollar IRA. Well, sort of. What you really have, let's say you're in the 24% tax bracket. What you really have is about $760,000 and a $240,000 IRS lien because that's the taxes you would pay.
1: There are many factors that contribute to success skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome into the podcast. This is the Retirement Success Blueprint Podcast with Michael Stewart. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. We're going to talk investing, finance, and retirement. Our main topic this week is going to be flirting with disaster. We're going to get into that in just a minute. And if you're a fan of uh, some 70s Southern rock, you might remember the Molly Hatchett song, Flirting with Disaster. Mike, what's going on? Do you remember that song? Uh, that I do not. I
0: do remember Molly Hatchett, though.
1: Oh, okay. That was like one of their big hits, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've asked that today a couple times. Nobody remembers it. So I guess I'm <laughs> I guess I'm older. I like Southern rock. One of the two. I don't it's, know.
0: It wasn't the B-side <laughs> of the 45,
1: was. The- yeah, it may have been. Yeah, I don't know. But I thought it was one of their Pop your tunes but oh well hey so, so i gotta ask you so we talked about march madness uh, before you and i had a little chat about that do you see some of the sports betting on that gambling on that was out of control crazy eight billion dollars eight and a half billion dollars by the time the uh, you know the end of the tourney that's that was the projections and stuff uh, what do you think about online gambling it's it's legal in like half the country
0: yeah now a lot of things is that You know, you got to remember with the government that they're not completely altruistic thinking that, hey, I guess (laughs) guess people would really like betting. So let's just go ahead and approve it. The whole purpose of legalized gambling now is, you know, outside of just the stock market. But the whole purpose is additional tax revenue at the state level. And especially Mm. coming off of 2020 and some of the way the state budgets were impacted by covid state revenues have took an even bigger hit. So they're just sure. looking for any way they can generate additional revenue. So whether that's gambling, whether that's legalized cannabis, you know, so I, I just find it ironic that now you can get high while betting all legally <laughs> while the government is taxing you on
1: both. That's, uh, that's hilarious. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big thing and, and, you know, a lot of times we've had conversations before when it comes to even with the stock market, as you kind of alluded to a little bit. Uh, if you enjoy kind of that rush from some of those things and some clients want to do that kind of stuff, that's totally fine. Just make sure it's always a, a percentage you can afford to lose, right, in case you're wrong. So if you like to do speculative investing or whatever, same principle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It really just comes down to, you know, treat it as entertainment value. And if it's your serious money, the money you can't afford to lose, well, it has no place being there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's one place that you could flirt with disaster, and we're going to talk about a couple of other ones here on the podcast, as I mentioned. So let's go through a couple of these. I got a few forms, I suppose, or uh, document areas to talk about first. We'll knock those out of the way because I know that doesn't sound all that sexy. But if you don't fix some of these, Mike, and they're usually pretty easy fixes, you could really ask, be asking for you know much bigger headaches down the line. So out-of-date legal documents. Let's start there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even just before we talk about the out of date, uh, I want to kind of give a mental or if you're at home taking notes here, kind of what the hierarchy, anytime it talks about estate planning and things, is you want to look at kind of what the hierarchy is, because it'll actually cover a couple first points that we talk here. So Mm -hmm. you got a thought at the very high top, you know, consider like a stacked list here is beneficiary forms. Underneath beneficiary forms is transfer on death or payable on death. You know, they call them TOD, POD underneath that is living trust, and underneath that is last will. The reason I tell you that is that's the hierarchy between the way the IRS and the government looks at inheritances when somebody passes. So so it always starts at the top with beneficiary forms, then goes to transfer on death, then goes to living trust, and then it goes to the last will. And the reason I bring that up is a lot of people think that, hey, I got a will, I'm okay, you know, no matter how long ago it was, and that'll get us into this next topic. But the reality is a will just means Means that you're going to probate, you know, that you're going to get the government involved in, in your estate planning. So that's yeah. where the importance of the beneficiaries, the transfer on death, and the trust come in. So, so now we'll get back to kind of the part you talked about the out of date legal documents. Uh-huh. And, and we see this all the time, especially with new clients or prospective clients that come in. And too many people are walking around with either no documents, you know, that. know they're in their mid 50s and their 60s and luckily they're still with us because nothing's happened and but it's time to start getting those documents in place you know we used to call it faces in the wallet you know once you start getting faces in the wallet you really need to make sure that you have it so if it's kids grandkids a spouse but what happens a lot of times is even those that have documents they're 10 20 plus years old so they've got the wrong names of people they you know people they don't even have relationships with their kids are 30s or 40s now and they still have guardians listed You know, they might have their parents listed as, you know, the executors or even beneficiaries in some cases, and their parents have since passed. You know, so you really need to make sure that your legal documents, you want to review them every couple of years or anytime something has changed in your life. So it's really important that you make sure that they're up to date. And that's one of the first things that we do in the estate planning process is say, hey, let's take a look at what you have. If you have something in place, I'm going to tell you what it says. If that's still applicable, you're great. You're good. If it's not, then we'll help you out, kind of determine what needs to change.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times, Mike, this is pretty easy to fix, right? So to that point, just having that conversation. And I'm glad you brought up that kind of hierarchy. And if I'd have thought about that or had the conversation with you at of time, I would have had. Uh, the BDs uh, first, because that's what I do have next on our list, is those incorrect beneficiary designations. And again, this is also some place that seems like it's an awful easy fix.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And what happens is people, you know, it's just human nature, you kind of get complacent. So, you know, you open that IRA or that annuity or that life insurance or that 401 401k at work and you fill out the like, oh, you know, I got to put a beneficiary in here. So it's either, you know, throw your spouse, your kids, family, depends on, you know, who's important to you at the time that you fill that out. But what happens is over time, life changes. So there's a, it's really important to make sure that the beneficiary designations are up to date. And, and here's a couple of reasons why, you know, you've got divorces, second marriages, births of new kids, grandkids, even. So I'll give you a couple of examples in, in our, in our practice. One is, you know, we call it a, a do right by beneficiary, you know, and that's one of my technical terms when we do estate planning training and on a do right by beneficiary. We had in our practice, it came through the tax side and I've talked about it on prior podcasts where the mom had about a $500,000 retirement IRA. She passed and she had five kids and her intention was to leave everything to the five kids equally. So hundred thousand dollars a piece. But she was a little concerned about some of them. So she named only her daughter, who happened to be our client, as the do right by beneficiary. So the do right by means that she's going to do right by everybody else. You know, it's one of those technical terms. She'll do right by everybody Right. You know, she'll split it evenly in there. But the problem is, since it was an IRA, it's all pre-tax money, in order for her to do right by everybody and split it up the five equal ways, she was going to have to pay 100% of the taxes because she was the only listed beneficiary. And and fortunately for my client, she does very well for herself. Her and her husband are in the 35% tax bracket, one of the highest tax brackets. So in order for her to take out the $500,000, she was gonna have to pay 35% income tax on that. So we got the family together and said, okay, you know, you're not all getting 100,000, so what we're going to do is everybody's going to get about 65000 You know, that's everybody's part, less income taxes. So they're all, you know, mad screaming like, oh, we're going to sue you. You know, you're taking our money. I was like, whoa, well, well, no, that's just, you know, why should your sister have to pay all the taxes? And, you know, she'd basically owe more in taxes than what she would even get as an inheritance. So then they said, okay, well, you know what we're going to do? You know, we're going to sue you and we're going to make sure we get this right said okay or legally since the sister was the only one named on the beneficiary form and if you remember that hierarchy the beneficiary form trumps everything right you went out of your way to do it she could just keep the five hundred thousand dollars that kind of changed their tone a little bit because (laughs) legally they had no standing she was honestly just trying to do right by everybody
1: right interesting yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's uh you know you never know and As much as we could have good intentions, Mike, and I'm sure you've probably seen this in your practice in many years you've been doing this, you know, we could all have the best of intentions. You'll have people say, well, my kids won't fight over this. My kids, you know, but that's money does weird things to people. So it's always a good idea just to kind of have everything the I's, you know, dotted and the T's crossed.
0: Family and money never matches. Yeah. You know, it's, and we, we tell that when we're going through estate planning documents, when we're naming beneficiaries, now, yeah. even on the beneficiaries, another thing to consider, I talked about faces in the wallet, is it's important that you understand how you're naming the beneficiaries. And unfortunately, in our industry, a lot of, the, a lot of advisors and brokers you know, just kind of brush by this, but it's critically important. So another thing on the beneficiaries would be the difference between per capita and per stirpes. Per capita means how many people. You know, so if you have, say, three kids and that's going to be, you know, your beneficiaries equally because you're pretending you love them all the same. Mm -hmm. So then what (laughs) happens if one passes now instead of everybody getting a third, then there's only two left. So the surviving two are going to get 50-50. And for most, that makes sense until grandkids get involved. Now, once grandkids get involved, let's say the third one that predeceased you had a couple of your grandkids. Would you want their third to go to your grandkids now? that's what you call per stirpes. So but if it's not if the documents aren't written up that way, it'll go split amongst the surviving children and the problem is just like the do right by a beneficiary, it creates kind of tax headaches and t- tax nightmares. Gotcha. So you know, it's important that, you know, whoever you're working with has these understandings of it's not just about stocks and bonds and things as your advisor. There's a whole nother layer of estate planning, a whole nother layer of taxes.
1: That's a great point. And it's a lot of things we talk about here on the podcast. It's it's more than just the X's and O's. Those are obviously very important. That's the dollars and the cents. But there's also a lot of other little pieces to it. And that's some of the stuff we're talking about today on Flirting with Disaster. Now, with that being said, we did a little bit of, uh, I guess, the the form, the paperwork side. But let's talk about some of the numbers for a few minutes here, Mike. And that's the ticking tax time bomb that is on its way. Uh, and it's, we've, we've been saying that for a while. People have been thinking that's coming. And it, it's got to be coming. I mean, they're now talking about $4 trillion in infrastructure. I mean, this thing just keeps climbing. At some point, somebody's got to pay this bill.
0: Yeah, at some point, it'll be real money, right? Yeah, <laughs> at, at yeah real, point, $30 trillion is
1: not real money yet. We're almost yeah. there.
0: Yeah, we're yeah we own a, about thirty trillion already in debt. We got another four to six trillion coming in this alleged infrastructure package, mm-hmm. and you know, and the reason it's it's an issue is twofold. One is at some point we're going to have to start tackling this deficit. We're going to have to start tackling this debt. You know, so it's not a problem until it is. And then another thing is that most of our clients, at least, and this is basically most of the world, if you think about it, especially at least in the United States, most would take away your real estate. Most of your wealth is in pre-tax 401ks, IRAs, those kind of things. Right. So the IRS is your silent partner. You know, so if you've got a million dollar IRA and you're like, hey, I got a million dollar IRA. Well, sort of what you really have. Let's say you're in the 24% tax bracket. What you really have is about $760,000 and a $240,000 IRS lien, because that's the taxes you would pay on there. And that becomes important. And why that becomes important is if taxes go up, the IRS is now a partner, but you don't know how big a partner they're going to be. So if taxes, let's say just go up to 33%, you know, Biden's already got things on the table saying that we're going to, you know, increase taxes. And even if they say they don't really necessarily increase taxes, they're gonna tighten up those tax brackets where it's a lot easier to fall up into those next ones. So let's say taxes <laughs> right. just go to like 33%, which really wouldn't be egregious historically. Then that means that million dollar IRA, actually that means that now you just have about 670 and the government's got 330. Mm-hmm. So a third of that IRA is now the government's. So you know you need to be proactive on the tax planning. You know A lot of people say, well, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna do it all pre-tax now because When I retire, I'll be in a lower tax bracket, and the reality is that's probably not going to be the case. Because let's say you're a household husband and wife making about one hundred thirty thousand or something a year, you know, good solid income for you. You're in the twenty-two percent tax bracket currently. Well, let's say you're going to retire, and but you can live on eighty, ninety thousand dollars. Okay, you're still in the twenty-two percent tax bracket. (laughs) Okay. So is, is that actually to your benefit? So it's one of those things that you know we're at near historically low tax brackets right now. We know that taxes have to go up because of the debt. We know that the current administration is pushing for higher taxes. So you need to be proactive and start looking at different ways that you can kind of diffuse that tax time bomb.
1: Yeah. And we've had conversations saying, hey, initially you might have until these uh, current ones sunset and what, 2025. But you know, I think most people realize that's not going to hold. They're not going to just wait and let it go back to the old tax program. They're going to be putting in their own especially with having Congress and everything in place so they can, you know, kind of get some things done. So probably coming sooner than rather than later. So it's certainly important to have those conversations. And that's why we're talking about some areas where we might be flirting with disaster. And as always, you want to check with, you know, a qualified professional like Mike before you take any action on, on your unique and individual situation. Uh, and so if you, you know, hear something on the podcast today that piques your interest, make sure you're following up and having that conversation with your advisor or reach out to Mike if you're not working with somebody. At uh, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. What about plans for long term care expenses or just the lack thereof, Mike? Because a place where many of us flirt with it is we just go, no, 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 it won't happen to me. I'm good. You know, and we just ignore it.
0: No, absolutely. Statistically, uh, Fidelity did a report last year that said that, you know, a married couple that's 65, there's a 75% chance that one of them is going to need some form of long term care. So the, the way that we kind of broach it out there is, you know, isn't a, hey, do we need this insurance policy? What should we do? We just start on the front end. And, you know, just like everything we do in our practice, it begins with a conversation. So we say, okay, let's just say, God forbid, something were to happen statistically, you know, it's probably inevitable, is, you know, if either of you needed care, be it home-based healthcare, which is about $40,000, $50,000 a year, or assisted living care, it could be seventy dollars to $90,000 a year, how would we pay for it? And that becomes important because now it's not about, you know, we're trying to sell somebody a long-term care policy. It's really just taking a look at our cash flow, taking a look at the resources that we've already saved and say, would we be able to do this, you know, pull enough income off our portfolio. But just as importantly, it's not just about paying for care. It's about, if you think about, especially if you're married, there's another spouse involved. There's a healthy spouse involved. And that spouse still has to pay the property taxes, still has to pay, you know, the mortgage if there is one, still has to put food on the table. So a lot of those expenses don't change just because one of the other spouses has this increased health care need. So what we do is just say, hey, if in the event we needed home-based care or assisted living facility, how would we pay for it? If we have enough resources, and for most, that's about two and a half, three million or more of overall assets. If we have enough assets already saved, great, check the box and understand we're going to self-insure. If we don't, then we need to say, okay, let's put a plan together that at least help mitigate some of those expenses for long-term care. Because one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is Medicare is great for you know, health coverage for retirees, but it doesn't cover
1: long-term care. Yep, absolutely. And so all of these are great places where well, not great places, but places where we can be flirting with disaster that we might want to take care of. Uh, Final one on the subject, Mike, is the classic 6040 portfolio. Okay, why might we be that would kind of be uh, an area for disaster? That seems like kind of normal, right?
0: I'll give you two. Okay. I've, I've always got two things. And anytime you ask me a question, I always give you two things. So, uh, on one, let me tell you why a 60 40 portfolio exists. A lot of people think that, oh, because that's a balanced portfolio sure, and that'll right. work. No, it, it's for job retention for an advisor. Because what that means <laughs> is if the market goes straight up, you know, let's say the market goes up 10 and now the portfolio is up six, the advisor can say, well, hey, we only had 60% of our money in the market. So, we're only going to get 60% of the return. We didn't underperform. We're fine. Right. And if the market tanks and the market's down 10% and they're only down six, then they can say, well, hey, you know, good thing we were 60, 40, we were diversified. So Mm. either way, they win, you know. So it has less to do with the client. I think it's more about the industry preserving itself. Gotcha. Uh, But on the flip side of it, the problem with a 60, 40 portfolio for a retiree is very precarious. And it's kind of like walking a tightrope, especially right now. So somebody that's about 60% in the market. 40% 40% in fixed income, that fixed income is supposed to be the buffer for bad times. So when the market, like we just talked about, rolls over and historically that part of your portfolio, the bonds, the fixed income would hold, would be going up. And at the same time, maybe it's paying five, 6% interest in dividends. But if you take a look at where we are today, the stock market is near all time highs. The price to earnings ratio without getting too wonky, just basically means how expensive is the market? Is near all-time highs. It's the third most expensive market that we've had in the last hundred plus years. Uh, you know, so we're we're kind of priced for perfection as far as the stock market goes. And then on the bond side of it, we're not earning five six percent on our bonds. Government bonds right now are paying around one percent. Maybe you're getting two. And interest rates over the next few years are going to go up, which is going to make the value of those bonds go down. So not only are they not paying anything, there's probably a potential loss of principle going forward. So they're no longer the safety component that they once were 20, 30 years ago. You know, so what do you do? You got to be nimble, you know? So if you're going to be in the market, the part that's in the market is what's your exit strategy? You know, what will make you no longer comfortable in there? So even if you're buying good blue chip dividend paying companies, what has to change in the narrative to where you're no longer comfortable doing that? You can't just set it and forget it like Ron popiel It's got to be something that you have a strategy for. And on the fixed income side, you can't just throw it in a bond fund and hope it works out because there's no assurances in the bond fund. You got to buy individual securities so you know you're buying, you know, if, if we're buying this bond or this preferred, it's got a maturity date. I know exactly what the coupon rate is. So now I have a contractual assurance from a company that as long as they don't go out of business, I'm going to get my money back. That's the kind of nimbleness you know, and tactfulness you need to have in this kind of market because really it is priced for perfection. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And if you're a retiree, you got to be very careful with that.
1: All right, folks. So there are some places where you might be flirting with disaster. And of course, uh, hopefully you are not. But if you think you might be, or you want to get some more information or education about how it might relate to your scenario, as always, check with a qualified professional like Michael Stewart at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. You can call him at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can also subscribe to the podcast to check out future episodes, as well as past episodes, all that good stuff at uh, Retirement Success Blueprint. That's the name of the podcast. You can find that on apple google spotify just type that in the search box uh, and you can pop it up that way or you could just go to the website crystal Laketax.com. that's crystallaketax.com. mike's got more than two decades of experience so a great resource for you to tap into if you are not already check him out online at crystallaketax.com. all right my friend that's gonna do it this week thanks for hanging out with me and sharing uh sharing some of these thoughts and it's always appreciated
0: take care of yourself mark
1: We'll talk to you next time here on the show, folks. This is Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. We'll see you next time.
2: situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies LLC are not associated entities.